Thank you, Tony. You've made me sound much more scary than I am. Um, I did use to fire guns for a living, but it was a long time ago. <laughs> wow. Thank you for coming. I have to say that preparing the seminar today has taken me on a fear to faith, to fear to faith, to fear to faith roller coaster. Uh, so I'm pretty nervous. Um, I'm just really in faith, though, that, that God's going to do something special today. Um, and it's not going to be really to do with my words. I could, I could stand here silently for 40 minutes and say nothing, and God can still come and break in and bring freedom. And, and I know he's going to do that today. I'm in absolute faith and expectation that God's going to bring freedom today. So I hope you're expectant too. Um, it's going to be a good time together. We're going to share some stories. Uh, I'm going to share a bit of my testimony. My lovely friend Hannah is going to come and share a bit of her story too. Uh, we're going to look at scripture, which is always a great place to start, isn't it? And uh, we're going to learn some lessons from scripture and learn some lessons from my experience, from Hannah's experience. And hopefully uh, you'll go away from here uh, full of faith. It's a great start this morning. Are you in the session this morning with Tim Blaver? It was so encouraging, wasn't it? He's so good. Such a good speaker. So, yeah, my heart really is that I'll, I'll help us to see through what God's taught me, how we can move from a place of fear to a place of faith. And how do we get between the two? And often, uh, you know, God can and will bring supernatural freedom to us from our fears. Um, but often we have to work through those fears ourselves too. And, and we're going to be just really practical about that and how we can do that in our walk with God and how we can help each other. But even if God brings supernatural freedom to fear from fear, you still have to learn to walk in that newfound freedom as well. So um, whichever camp you fall in this morning, hopefully there'll be something here to help you. Uh, so as Tony said, I'm based uh, over in Salisbury and Amesbury uh, with Grace Church. I've been there for a year. I moved two days after West Point last year, which seemed like a really good idea until I got to West Point and thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to move house two days after. But it's been a great adventure. I'm going to share a bit more um, about that. It's actually been part of my, what God's done through me really in fear in the last year since moving to Salisbury. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little bit about that as well. Um, so just a little bit more about me. I'm, uh, I'm single which sometimes is a challenge, other times is an absolute joy. Uh, I get the house to myself, the bed to myself. I can watch what I want on telly, do what I want, go where I want, which is just wonderful. Uh, but it can be hard too. It can be a real, a real challenge, and I've had a real walk with God in faith um, in that too. I'm an auntie, self-proclaimed favourite auntie, I have to say. I have uh, three nieces and two nephews, and I work hard to maintain the status of favourite auntie, and I will buy it if I have to. Um, <laughs> regularly do that. And uh, one of the things I really hate is camping. <laughs> I really hate camping. It's that kind of two days in where you think, oh, God, I'm, I'm a zombie. You know, Tim was talking this morning about the smug and the zombie. I'm a zombie. I hate camping. So big shout out. If you're a reluctant camper here this morning, my heart is for you. Yes, my heart is for you. So, uh, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I, th I mean, I've not given birth, but I kind of feel like people talk about giving birth is awful. But then after a while, you just you're filled with joy and love for your child and you forget how bad it is until the next time. And I feel like that about West Point. I get here and think, oh, it's going to be amazing. You get two days in and think, oh, Lord, why did you invent camping? Can we not stay in a hotel? Um, but, yeah, so that's just a little bit about me. Hopefully that helps to uh, help you to get to know me a little bit. Um, yeah, I just, I'm full of faith for, the, for this morning and, and I'm full of faith that God does not want us to be living in fear. And he's come to give us life and life to the full and he's not given us a spi spirit of timidity He's given us faith, and that is faith that comes through Jesus Christ. It's not something that we, uh, we have to kind of grit our teeth and go, I must be faithful. It's something that we can ask God for. God is the author and perfecter of our faith, and we can ask him for it. And uh, I'm hoping that, um, yeah, we're really going to move on in that journey this morning together. And, uh, but there's often a struggle, I find, between being in a, in a place of fear I'm being in a place of faith. And it's often, it's a choice, it's a decision to go from one to the other, isn't it? It's a decision, a choice that we make. And uh, I've got a great story. Have anyone ever read John Ortberg? He's a great storyteller. I've got a book here. Uh, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. It's a really good book. Um, don't read it unless you want to be challenged. I read it several years ago and ended up going church planting at the end. It's a dangerous book to read. Um, but John's a great storyteller. And he tells a great story about the struggle between... Uh, fear and faith. I'm just going to read that just as we start to help set the scene. So this is John speaking. Some years ago, my wife arranged for us to ride in a hot air balloon as a birthday gift. We went, up on, we went to the field where the balloons ascended and got into a little basket with another couple. We introduced ourselves and swapped vocational information. Then the pilot began the ascent. The day had just dawned. It was clear, crisp and cloudless. We could see the entire valley 
It was scenic, inspiring, and majestic. But I also experienced one emotion I'd not anticipated. Do you want to guess what it was? Fear. I'd always thought those baskets went up to about chest height. But this one only came up to our knees. One good lurch would have been enough to throw someone over the side. So I held on with grim determination and white knuckles. I looked over at my wife, who does not care for heights at all, and relaxed a bit, knowing there was someone in the basket more tense than I was. <laughs> I could tell because she would not move at all. I decided I'd like to get to know the kid who was flying the balloon. I realized that I could try and psych myself up into believing something, everything would be fine. But the truth was, we'd placed our lives and our destinies in the hands of the pilot. Everything depended on his character and competence. I asked him what he did for a living and how he got started flying hot air balloons. I was hoping his former job had been one full of responsibilities, perhaps a neurosurgeon, an astronaut who missed out on going to space. I knew we were in trouble when his response was, dude, it's like this. I can't do an American accent, sorry, that's just a, a London accent. Dude, it's like this. He didn't even have a job, he mostly surfed. He said the reason he got started flying hot air balloons was that he'd been driving around in his pickup truck when he'd had too much to drink. He crashed the truck and badly injured his brother. His brother still couldn't get around too well, so watching hot air balloons gave him something to do. By the way, he said, if things get a little choppy on the way down, don't be surprised. I've never flown this particular balloon before. I'm not quite sure how it's going to handle the descent. My wife looked over at me and said, do you mean to tell me we're a thousand feet up in the air with an unemployed surfer who started flying hot air balloons because he got drunk, crashed his pickup, injured his brother, and had never been in one of these before and doesn't know how to bring it down? Then the wife of the other couple looked at me and spoke the only other words they would utter the whole entire flight. She looked at me and said, you're a pastor, do something religious. <laughs> the great question at that moment is, is, can we trust the pilot? We could try telling ourselves that everything will be all right, the flight's gonna be fine. But actually, the real question and our concern is who have we put our trust in? And that's the same with our fears, isn't it? It's the struggle between looking at our fear and who we've got faith in. And so often when we're in fear, we look at the fear and we don't look at God. So it's, an, it's a perfectly normal uh, struggle and challenge that we all face in our life. Um, but I think that story illustrates it really well and it's also quite funny. So we're going to look at some different things this morning. We're going to start by looking, um, looking at what it looks like to live out of a place of fear. And I'm guessing because you're here, you've probably got a fairly good idea of that already. Uh, but we'll look at that a little bit to start with. So what does it look like to live out of a place of fear? Well, then look at what it looks like to be living out of a place of faith and then how we can help each other and help ourselves to move from one to the other. Uh, and then I'll close at the end. And as, uh, as we were saying earlier on, there'll be a time of ministry at the end. And I'm full of faith that God's going to move this morning. So uh, I hope that, that, that I impart that faith to you as I'm talking. But do be expectant. Uh, do be listening to what Jesus is saying to you while I'm talking. Don't just listen to me. Listen to the Holy Spirit and be guided what he's saying by what he's saying too. So living out of a place of fear. John Piper says, at its best, fear distracts us from our relationships with God and the truth of who he is and who we are in him. But at its worst, fear cripples us, taking over our minds and plunging our thoughts into darkness. And that's so true, isn't it? It can hold us captive. It distracts us from our relationship with God. And it makes us live in, a, in a, an atmosphere where we want to control, which is basically where my fear is because I'm a control freak and, and I want to be in control. So when I'm fearful, it's because there's something normally that's outside of my control that I, I just have no, Im no influence over, nothing I can change. And that's where, for me, the rubber hits the road um, when it comes to fear versus faith. So we're going to look at um, we're going to look at the Bible because that's always helpful, isn't it? So we're going to turn to uh, or swipe to Mark four if you want to do that. I'm going to read it out as well. It's Mark four. So this is the disciples uh, in the storm. So they've been with Jesus and they're going to go over to the other side of uh, which we kind of think of as a lake, but actually it's a Sea of Galilee. It's quite big. It's about eight miles by four miles. So it's a big, big, big lake, and there's a huge storm. Now four of at least four of the disciples that are in the boat 
are fishermen. So they're used to they're used to boats. They're used to how to handle them, how to sail, and they're used to the waves and the wind and storms. Um, but they get really scared, and uh, they have fear. So I thought it'd be a great place to start by reading this. So let me read this. this is Mark four, thirty-five to forty-one. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, he they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, which is a storm, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was asleep in the stern on a cushion. The disciples were full of fear. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and said to each other, asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So here you have the disciples, I was saying they're experienced sailors. They're in the storm. And Jesus is fast asleep in the stern on a cushion. I wonder if he was snoring, I don't know. But he was fast asleep, he's relaxed. I'm just going to look at four things that they failed to do uh, when they were in the boat with him. So the failure number one is they failed to remember the promise. They failed to remember the promise. Jesus says right at the beginning, let us go over to the other side. He didn't say, let us get halfway there and we're going to sink. Halfway there, and there's going to be a hole in the boat, and it's going to sink. He said, "Let us go over to the other side." And often, when we're in fear, we forget God's promises. I wonder what promises you might have forgotten. What promises have you forgotten that God's given you? Promises fill us with faith. The second failure: they fail to learn that Jesus is asleep in the middle of a storm. Jesus is fast asleep in the boat. He's got his head on a pillow, peacefully asleep. And there's the disciples panicking. I mean, I would be panicking too, to be honest. But they're physically with Jesus. And we're called to be like Jesus. And if Jesus can sleep in a storm, then so can we. So can we. And often what happens when we're fearful is panic comes and we don't feel peace. But I want to say, actually, I think it's perfectly normal to expect to feel peaceful, even if you have fear. And I have experience of that myself. And Hannah's nod nodding her head at the front. So the disciples fail to remember the promise, and they fail to see and to learn from the lesson that Jesus is asleep. He's not worried about the storm. He knows he's going to get to the other side, and he's told them they're going to get to the other side. But they've forgotten it. And the last one is failure to trust in the power of Jesus. Fear makes us focus on something Faith is focusing on someone. So fear makes us look at what's in front of us. They're looking at these waves and thinking, oh, man. I mean, those fishing boats are quite low in the water because it helps them pull their nets in when they've got a big catch. That also means it's quite easy for the water to come over when the waves are striking. I don't know if you've ever been in a storm uh, and you've seen the size of the waves. It's quite humbling. It's really quite humbling. That's why they say we should respect the sea. And as a sailor, I can certainly attest to that. But their fear was on the physical boat to keep them afloat. And it was on their ability as experienced sailors to keep the boat afloat. But actually, they had the power of Jesus with them in the boat physically. But we have the power of Jesus in us. We have the Holy Spirit, don't we? Left behind for us as a deposit for what's to come. And Jesus' power is within us. Fear is basically believing lies, isn't it? At its core, fear and failure is about lies. And that's not what we're to believe, is it? So much of our fear is based in lies, on belief of our own ability, or it tells us a lie that we're not as good as that person over there. But actually, if we focus on Jesus and look at the truth, then we can be free. So that's just some basic lessons from the disciples, and I'll, I'll touch on those when I talk about my failures. I'm going to talk about my fear quite honestly today and tell you where I've gone wrong, so hopefully you can learn from me um, rather than make the same mistakes. I think also at its core, fear, when you think about what, what it looks like to live in a place of fear, it stops us being authentic with each other. It stops us being real about who we are and, how, and what we're struggling with. And we so often go into church, particularly on a Sunday morning, wearing our Christian masks, don't we? But actually, if we're authentic, if we're real, 
then our fears become less. It's a bit like when you speak out lies, you speak out a lie that you're believing. When you say it out loud, it sounds, it sounds ridiculous often, doesn't it? It sounds ridiculous. If we're, if we're to be authentic, then we need to be a faithful people. But even if, we're being, even if we're feeling fearful, we should still be authentic. We should still share our fears with each other and be transparent about our weaknesses. So my, my top fears, just being honest with you, my top fears are um, fear of rejection would be number one. I'll talk a little bit about that later on. Fear of man, so thinking that, w- worrying more about what people think of me uh, and what I'm doing, how I'm performing, than what God thinks of me. And also my other fear is fear of being lonely, fear of being alone, of missing out on love, of missing out on having a family, of what's going to happen in the future when I'm old. I have the, um, the gift of administration, what the Bible calls the gift of administration, which is a very strategic gift. But often what happens is my worrying is quite strategic as well in that I don't just worry about tomorrow, I'll worry about my retirement and when I'm old, who's going to look after me? Um, I'm lining up my eldest niece for that role. She, she's aware of that so far. But, but that, that's where I'm most caught up in fear. Um, I have others, but um, they're my fears, and I think, I think it's helpful to speak them out loud. I think there's power in doing that, in speaking those words out loud and allowing your friends and people to speak to you and speak truth over you. So let's be authentic. Even if we're fearing, feeling fearful, let's be authentic. Lastly, living in a place of fear stops us being courageous. It stops us saying yes to God. Doesn't it? That's, that's the ultimate goal of the enemy is to keep us quiet, to stop us stepping out in faith, to stop us doing great exploits for God. Fear stops us being courageous. But you can feel the fear and do it anyway, as the saying goes, can't you? Well, we often feel we don't have courage. But how many times does the Bible say, do not fear? How many times does it say, be courageous? God knows that we are fearful. That's why it's in his word. I think it's 360-something times it says, do not fear. Do not be afraid in the Bible. The Bible's full of examples of how to step out in faith. So I would encourage you um, to read your Bibles and to learn from those stories. So I've got a question for you just as we close that first section. What could you be saying yes to? What could you be saying yes to? If you didn't have any fear, if you were free from your fears, or there's one particular fear maybe that comes to mind, what would you say yes to God to? How could you be living a fruitful, free life, doing great exploits for God? What could you be saying yes to? So I'm just going to share a little bit of my, my story. So as I said before, I moved to Salisbury two days after West Point last year. So it's been a whole year already. I can't believe it. It's gone so quick. Um, I felt God, God called me to move. He called me to move for my job. And uh, I was obedient. And I stepped out in faith and trust in God and knew his calling on my life. I knew that he wanted me to move house. But I was full of fear. Oh, boy. I struggled with that, that wrestle between fear and faith, fear and faith. God's spoken, God's calling, it's going to be okay. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it's going to be okay, versus fear. And my fears were around really moving on from my church in Guildford, Centrepoint, which I loved. I've been part of the church plant team. I was there when there were six of us in someone's front room. We could fit the church on one sofa. I'd kind of grown up in that church. I was very young to my faith when we planted, and uh, I grew kind of my, my faith wings and I got tested and grown as a leader in that church. And I almost felt a bit like a, um, a teenager leaving for university when I left. But most of all in that church, I felt known and I felt loved. And when you're, when you're single, your church is your family and you love them and they love you. And you need that family because you don't have it at home. And I was very close to them, very close to my pastor. I'd known him a long, long time since I first got saved. Uh, he'd seen me through a lot of trouble, and I was I was gutted to be leaving them, absolutely gutted. But I, I went, and I was obedient. But once I'd moved, the fear really kicked in. I was full of faith to go. But then the rubber hits the road a couple of months in, and I started looking, looking down at my fears instead of up at God. I started looking down at my fears and not up at God, and I occasionally forgot his call. So that was, my, that was my first failure. Like the disciples in the boat, I forgot God's promise. He promised me that he, he called me. 
he'd called me to that church. He'd called me to go there. And I knew it was more than about a job. It was about the lost. It was about his mission in Salisbury and Amesbury and beyond. I knew his call on my life, but I'd forgotten that in the, in the crux of it. I really struggled with not being known. Not being known by people. But the truth is, God knows me. His eyes are never off me. And he knows me, and he knows me intimately, and I know him, and he loves me, and I'm secure in him. But I'm looking around at this church that was more than twice the size of the one I'd left. And they are lovely, lovely people. But I didn't feel known. If you wind back slightly to my my childhood, um, I was really badly bullied at school. So in my middle school, it was called then, I don't know what it is now, primary... I don't know, the one before high school. Um, I was really badly bullied at school. I was really painfully shy as a child and I struggled to make friends and that made me a really easy target for for bullies. And I was really badly bullied um, for quite some years and uh, just really lonely, became increasingly isolated, found it very difficult to make friends. Uh, You know, I was the kid that the boys would ask out for a joke, ask to be their girlfriend for a joke and you say yes and they run off and laugh with their friends. That That was me. I was in... You know, bottom set for maths, English. I wasn't a, a performer. I hated school and I was bullied really badly and it continued all the way through my school life. So my fear of rejection, often your fears are rooted in things that happen in your childhood, but they follow you. So for me, this last year has been really, I'm not known. And what if I'm rejected? What if no one likes me? What if people don't want to be my friend? And it crippled me. It crippled me and made me quite ill, actually, for for a little while. And Yeah, the root of it is just the fear of of letting people in, because you've got to let people in to be known, haven't you? And to let people in, you've got to let them into your life. You've got to be vulnerable with them. And I really struggled with that. And, um, yeah, it's been hard. Even last night, I went over to Centrepoint Marquee. We hung out. Had a glass of wine, ate some crisps, we played cards, played cheats. Great, you learn a lot about Christians when you play card games, don't you? But you know, even last night, I walked back to my tent in absolute floods of tears because I really miss those guys. Just being with them again and being just with people that really know you. It was, it was really hard. It was lovely, but yeah, I cried myself to sleep last night, which is a yeah, good preparation for today. Um, but that, that's really, I guess, the root of my... My fear is I forgot God's promise. I failed to find peace in the storm. God's really spoken to me about that. I'll, I'll, I'll share a dream that he gave me later on about finding peace in the storm. He doesn't always promise to get us out of the storm. Sometimes he calms the storm, but sometimes he calms the sailor. So you can be in the midst of a storm, but you can feel peace. And um, I sometimes just fail to remember that and fail to remember his peace and accept it. And I fail to trust in the power of God. For me personally, it's very easy, isn't it, sometimes to trust God for faith for other people, for what, they've, what God's doing in their life. And I have faith for the job that he brought me to, but I'm looking at it thinking, people, what if people find out that I'm not as good as they thought I was at this job? I'm going to fail. Fear of man kicked in massively. And I forgot that God's anointed me and called me and given me the gift of administration. And he made me who I am to be free from my fear and to do the job that he's called me to. And he will, he will equip me. He equips who he calls. He doesn't call the equipped. But I looked away from Jesus. I looked away from his calling. I looked away from his anointing and his gifting on me. I looked at the job in front of me, which is huge, and panicked. Quite frankly, I panicked. So that's my, that's my experience of fear. And I'm going to, as we go through the session, I'm going to talk a little bit about what's helped me, um, as well as what's helped the disciples and what's helped Hannah as well. So that's just a little bit of of my story. So I want to take us on to looking at what it looks like to be in a place of of faith. I love, I couldn't talk about faith without talking about Hebrews. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and insurance of what we cannot see. And if you're a Christian here, you've already made the biggest faith step of your life in believing in a God that you can't see. Often we forget that, don't we? We forget our first love. We forget that decision that we made, that powerful decision to follow Christ is a big decision. If you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, we can just look at that for this next session. So in chapter 11, it starts off with that amazing description of what faith is. 
And the writer in Hebrews just gives us this huge, exciting list of all these inspiring heroes of the faith, people like Abraham and Moses, all these men and women of faith, these heroes of the faith. But they're just ordinary men and women who do extraordinary things for God. They're faith in action. And then Hebrews 12:1 starts with a therefore, which Tim was talking about this morning. I love it when I see a therefore or a but, because you know something really good's coming. So therefore, in light of this amazing list of heroes of the faith, Hebrews 12:1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, I just love that. Such a powerful, powerful bit of scripture. In light of these men and women of faith I've just told you about, who stepped out and achieved great things. Abraham, he went without even knowing where he was going, and I found it hard to move to Salisbury when I knew Salisbury's a really nice place, and there's some really nice people there, and yeah, I struggled with it. Yet Abraham, he went without even knowing where he was going. They say yes to every opportunity. When you're in a place of faith, it allows you to say yes to God. Whatever he asks, you say yes. Whatever he he asks. So when Guy emailed me, Guy Miller, a couple of weeks ago and said, I want you to come up on the main platform on the first night and pray. I did not want to say yes. I did not want to say yes, but I thought, no, I'm going to have faith for this. I'm going to practice what I'm going to be preaching and I'm going to say yes. And I, w- I, m- I thought my knees were going to give way walking onto the platform, quite frankly. And I shut my eyes and didn't look at anyone, but I did it. And I did it in God's strength, not in mine. It allowed me to say, faith allowed me to say yes to God. God's called me to do that. Guys asked me, I'm going to say yes. Throw off your fears. Scripture says, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Our fears trip us up. Our fears trip us up. Because we shut our eyes when we're in fear. I don't know about you, but I shut my eyes when I'm scared. If I'm on a roller coaster, I don't want to look. I don't want to see what's coming. Have you ever tried running with your eyes shut? You're going to run the race. If we're full of fears, you're just going to trip up. You're going to trip over something. You're going to trip over yourself. You'll trip over the person next to you. Trip over your shoelace. You're going to trip up. So let's throw off everything that hinders us. If we're living in a place of faith, we've thrown off everything that hinders us. And often with me, uh, I don't know if you're the same, I give my fears to God, so I'll either kind of imagine putting them on a tray that I'm holding and I'll put the things that I'm in fear of on the tray. And I'm quite a visual person, so I might lean down and pretend I'm putting them at the foot of the cross. And I pray and say, oh God, you know, take this fear away from me. Give me faith for this, that, or whatever it is I'm worried about. And I walk away. But do you know what? Five minutes later, I'm I'm just going to, not sure you've got that one covered, God. I'm just going to just gonna take that one back because I think, you know, I could control it better than you can. So often what we do, isn't it? But if we're in a, living in a place of faith, we can throw that off. We can lay it down before Jesus and be free of it. Also, when we're in a place of faith, our significance, self-worth and security is in God. So often when we're fearful, we take our significance from others. So women particularly, we're terrible. We can be terrible for comparison, can't we? Oh, why you know, that other person would be so much better at that? That was one of my fears about doing this talk. I thought, oh, but God, there's, there's so many other speakers that would be so much better at this than me. We can so often compare, but if we're in a place of faith, we have our significance. We have our significance, our self-worth, and our security in God. We look to him. Do you know Jesus' eyes are never off you? They're never off me, and they're never off you. Jesus' eyes are never off you. Are your eyes off him? Are you like Peter when he gets out of the boat? Do you look away? If you're in a place of faith, your eyes are never off Jesus. What have you taken your eyes off? What have you looked away for? Have you looked away from Jesus and looked at your fears? Being free from our fears looks different. I did a little poll amongst some friends and texted them a couple of weeks ago and said, for you, what would it look like to live free from faith? And I was so excited to get so many different responses. And that's true of us, isn't it? Because we're all so different and we all have really different fears. For some of you, moving to a new place and making new friends would be a really exciting thing to do and you wouldn't struggle with it. For me, it was a huge stronghold of fear. And we're all really different. And what I want to do is just give us a couple of seconds to think about what it would look like if you were free from fear. What would your life look like? Would you be free from comparison, free from needing affirmation from others, 
free from worrying about criticism from others, fear of failure. Just take a second to think. Okay, I'm just going to quickly move on. Hebrews 12.2, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the throne of God. Because of Jesus, we have a choice to choose faith over fear. Because of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? We have a choice. We can choose to be faithful and to have faith and not look at our fears. We can choose not to look at the height of the basket in the hot air balloon or look at the pilot who's a bit of a dude but not really that experienced. Or we can look to God to trust us, to keep us safe, to give us a soft landing. We can trust God for adventures. We're not slave to fear, so do not lose heart. There is always, always, always hope. Always hope. If you're full of faith, you have hope. Our hope is an anchor for our soul, as we were singing this morning. So don't lose heart. And look to God as the author and perfecter of our faith. So often we think faith is something we have to kind of, you know, stir ourselves up for, psych ourselves up, grit our teeth, whip ourselves into a frenzy over. No, faith comes from God. Faith comes from God. And our significance is in who we are and who God is, not in ourselves. So Hannah's going to come up and share her story. Give Hannah a warm welcome. She's a good friend. She's got a great story to come and share for us. Good morning. Uh, my name's Hannah. Um, as Cara said, I'm part of the uh, Centrepoint Church in Guildford, uh, which I've been a part of about 11 years. Um, I'm married. I've got two young girls, Evie and Amelie, and a... Uh, it really is my privilege to serve the church in Centrepoint. Now, I'm not from a Christian family. I d I'm the only uh, believer as far as I'm concerned. Um, and as a child, I was quite placid, got quite a sensitive nature. I had a fairly uh, normal upbringing, generally behaved myself. But I was a bit of a people pleaser. I really sought the approval of my parents and um, what they thought of me really mattered to me. I'm quite an introvert by nature. I didn't like being the center of attention when I was younger. And at the age of about 13, um, I actually developed an eating disorder and this escalated into my 20s along with um, real depression. I was really malnourished um, and I just lacked self-worth. I really despised what I looked like and I didn't know who I was and I just felt lost. I felt really hopeless. And although I got um, healing from freedom, uh, sorry, although I got healing and freedom from bulimia, um, having made my commitment to Christ in 2008, I kind of journeyed through uh, discovering who I was in Christ, so this new identity that God had given me. And, um, you know, it talks about uh, the old self being crucified in Romans 6. And I really had to uh, discover what that meant for me. And that really offered me uh, freedom. In 2010, before I got married, my husband and I were given a significant prophetic word. That I was to be given a stage, that I would be speaking to a room of women and that my husband and I were singled out for leadership. Well, at the time, I wanted to dismiss this word, uh, to rubbish it, it's not true, she'd got the wrong girl. And uh, <laughs> I really didn't want to be the centre of attention. I certainly didn't want leadership. And I felt really paralysed at the thought of speaking on a stage. My mouth still goes a bit dry. And I was really fearful, fearful that people would uh, reject what I say, that I would go red and blush, uh, that I'd forget my words, and that I would just um, kind of have this sort of fear of rejection that Cara was talking about. And this paralyzing fear presented a real huge hurdle for me as I really longed for God to use me prophetically in the church. 
So how did I overcome my fear? Firstly, I prayed. I prayed scriptural truths over myself, declaring who I was in Christ, that I'd been made righteous through faith in him, knowing that my identity is secure, that God is unchanging, and ultimately, there's nothing I can do that will make God love me any more or any less. And I really um, discovered what grace looked like kind of on that journey. The second thing I had to do, I had to step out of the boat. Just like Peter stepped out of the boat uh, for, in order for his faith to be tested, I knew that I had to step out in this. So safe places were, uh, for me were on a Sunday morning um, in prayer meetings. So beforehand I would pray, I'd ask the Holy Spirit um, for prophetic words, for words of knowledge, and for the courage um, to share those. Lastly, I chose to be obedient. So by believing the truth of scripture, so who I am in Christ, over the lies of the enemy, who loves to remind us of our past self-doubt, I have to choose to do what I feel God asks of me and trust him with it. So that is me moving from a place of fear to a place of having faith for what God is calling me to. So the fruit of being an overcomer. Just going to grab my drink. <laughs> so the fruit of um, yeah, being an overcomer. By choosing to be obedient and faithful to God's promptings, despite feeling uncomfortable, despite getting a dry mouth, um, despite feeling out of my depth, lacking confidence, um, God's really given me opportunities to grow in, and by his grace, I'm really now seeing that prophetic word that we received all those years ago, bringing fruit into my life and into the lives of those around me. And as a self-conscious 20-something, I didn't think that this prophetic word we'd received would ever kind of come to pass. I didn't think that I'd ever be able to preach a sermon. I didn't think that I would ever be able to host a church meeting. Recently, I've just taken on leadership um, of our women's ministry in, in our church, and I'm really excited and really expectant for what the future looks like for all of that. That excites me, that stirs me. But I've discovered that our God is a God of adventure, amen? He is also the God of healing and of gentleness. And as he has gifted me opportunities that as I choose to be obedient to him, I in turn gain freedom from my fears that once held me back. Thank you. It's a great story. Thank you, Hannah. She's a real woman of, of courage coming and sharing this morning as well, um, despite the nerves. So we've looked at what it looks like to live in a place of fear, what it could look like to live in a place of faith. just want to quickly give us some really practical examples and practical things we can do um, to help us move from one to the other. And then after that, um, I'll close and we'll do some, some ministry. So my first tip through my, my experience that I've learned is remember who you are. Remember who you are and whose you are. Often our fears come out of our lack of understanding of our identity and who we are in Christ, isn't it? It just comes back to identity, identity, identity. Who we are. We have our significance and our self-worth in God and our security. You've been saved by grace. You've been justified by faith. These are amazing truths. You're utterly secure in him. Utterly, utterly secure. He doesn't love you any more or any less because of what you've done or you've not done or what you could have done, which is my usual thing. I could have done, should have done, would have done. You're predestined. You're chosen. Before the creation of the world, you were chosen. You were picked out. You're the apple of God's eye. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's a perfect father. He knows every hair on your head. 
The other tip I would say is re receive the Father's love for you. Receive the Father's love for you. You look at children when they're fearful, when they're worried, when they're scared, when they're hanging around your legs. It's their comfort and, com and confidence in who they are as your child that gives them that courage to do something, isn't it? I know enough being an auntie that when you're trying to teach a child to walk, you don't stand them in front of you and point the other way and say, walk over there, do you? No, you put them down over there, you walk away, and you get down to their heart and you look them in the eye and you encourage them and say, come on, you can do it. And they can see your eyes, they can hear your encouragement, they know that you love them and they take those steps. And so it is with us. So it is with us. Receive the Father's love for you. Know that he's encouraging you and he will uh, love you no matter what. No matter what. How many times you trip up and fail. I encourage you to read Ephesians 1, 2 and 3. There's so many, so many truths in Ephesians. I love it. It's my favourite book of the Bible. Look at Ephesians 1, 2 and 3. Read the truth and speak it over yourself out loud if possible. There's real, tr real power in, in doing that. So remember who you are. And then remember who God is. I was saying before that fear means putting our faith in something, not in someone. If you're fearful, you put your faith in something, in your ability or someone else's ability to save you. Or you put your faith in the boat, or your faith in the storm, your ability to sail the boat in the storm. If you're full of faith, you put your faith in someone. And if you're looking at God, you gain perspective. And this is so true for me. If I'm looking at the floor, if I'm looking at the mountain in front of me, I'm full of fear. If I look up and look at the significance of who God is, he's all-powerful, all-knowing, the God who created the universe, who put the stars in the sky. Look to him and magnify him. Uh, worship for me is really powerful. I love to worship. Um, I can't sing, but Jesus doesn't mind, so that's great. I just turn the volume up. Uh, but worship really helps me. It puts, it puts things into perspective. I love getting out into, in nature and walking and seeing big, big expanses, big scenery. So gain perspective. Magnify God, not your fears. Have a desire to experience the, the supernatural. If you look at Peter walking on, on the water... He had a desire to experience the supernatural. He had a desire to step out of the boat into the storm. I mean, if it was me, I'd have said, Jesus, I'd love to do that. When we get to the other side and we're on the beach, could you just show me how to do it in a few feet of water? I'd have just totally waited for a storm. But he stepped out. He stepped out. He had a hunger for the supernatural. I'd also say reflect on previous experiences of taking steps of faith. Like Hannah was saying, as you take those steps and God uses you, God pulls you through, God does amazing things for you. Remember those things and be thankful for them and ask God to do it again. My third tip is feed your faith on truth. What you choose to feed will grow. So starve your fears by feeding your faith. What you choose to feed will grow. Starve your fears by feeding your faith. The Bible says uh, in Romans 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing comes through the word of Christ. Ask God for fresh revelation of his truth. Ask God for fresh revelation of his truth. Revelation comes through reading the word. Then you've heard of the author, Jen Wilkin. She says, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. If you don't know the character of God, then your faith isn't in the character of God. Your faith is in your fears. The more you know God's character, the more faith you will have. Feed yourself on God's word. Feed yourself on the truth of God's promises. Find promises that speak to your fears and memorize them. Speak them out. Write them on post-it notes. Put them on your phone as the kind of um, calendar to come up as an alert or whatever helps you. Just work out what those promises are. For me, um, yeah, one of my promises is Proverbs 29. Fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. I've got that on my desk at work to remind me. Meditate on God's word. I often have, I love meditating on God's word, just chewing it over, ruminating on it. And uh, sometimes people say to me, oh, I, can't, I don't know how to meditate on God's word. So what, if you can worry, you can meditate. Because that's what worrying is, right? It's meditating on what's going to go wrong, on the 99,000 things that could go horribly wrong rather than the one thing that's going to go right. If you can worry, you can meditate 
Worry is just extended kind of fear, isn't it? It just goes on and on and on. Meditate on God's word. Read about the heroes of faith. Read um, Hebrews 11. Read about those heroes of the faith or read uh, biographies. So Jackie Pullinger, Chasing the Dragon, or Brother Yan, Heavenly Man, is an amazing book. Feed your faith through reading about others who've stepped out in faith. Lastly, number four. Take steps of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, like Hannah was saying. Take steps of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God will bring supernatural, wonderful release from fear and freedom from fear. But most of the time, we grow more by stepping out in faith and finding freedom. As I said before, commit your, commit your worries, your fears to God in prayer. And leave it there. Don't pick it up again. Obedience. Say yes to God. Say yes to God no matter what comes. Say yes to God no matter what comes, what the ask is. Be brave. Be courageous. Say yes. Try things out. Try things out. Do you know what I've, I've found? The further you step out in faith, the more it takes the pressure off. If you take a little step, it's a bit scary. If you take a really big step, and if God doesn't come through, it's going to fail Actually, it takes the pressure off because it's down to God. It's not down to you. So I would say, don't just take steps. Take massive leaps. Take massive leaps of faith. Lastly, I would say, don't worry if you fail. It's okay to fail. It's okay to fail. We often, we live in that kind of society where failure is wrong. But actually, we learn so much for our failures. And the Bible's full of failures. We've looked at the disciples in the boat today failing. It's okay to fail. If your identity is wrapped up in your performance, you'll only do what you know you can do well. If your identity is wrapped up in your performance, you'll only do what you know you can do well. Truth is, if you don't step out, you won't really learn what it is to be faithful and to have faith. If you don't take those steps, you won't know. The other thing I would say is don't measure your success. So measure your success in your obedience, not in the outcome. We so often look to the outcome when it comes to failure. Measure your success in your obedience. Take the step. That's the success. So uh, an example would be um, you step out and pray for, for a friend for healing and they don't get healed. Don't let that stop you doing it again. You've been obedient and you've taken the step. The success is in the step that you've taken, not whether or not they've been healed. If you've got a prophetic word on a Sunday morning, share the prophetic word. The fact that you've shared it is an obedience, that's success. Don't worry about what the outcome is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're a child of God. It does not matter. That's what I was telling myself an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, do something. Do something deemed to failure unless God shows up. It's really exciting and it's addictive. I'll tell you, it's addictive. It is addictive. But do something that's doomed to failure unless God shows up. And in brackets, take a courage buddy. Take a courage buddy. Have somebody with you who's going to support you. So for me, that might look like on a Sunday morning, I feel like God's given me a prophetic word uh, in my prayer time and I'm a bit scared. And I'm, I know I might bottle it during the worship. I might talk myself out of it, say, oh, it was only me. I'd had too much cheese, whatever it is. If I really want to give that word, I'll say to a friend, I think I've got something from God. Will you check in with me later? And just the fact that I've told them will make me then go forward and give the prophetic word. Obviously, you need to know that someone that you care, that you're accountable to. If you don't care what they think, and yeah, it's not going to work. But um, So I'd say, yeah, do something that's doomed to failure unless God shows up and take a courage, buddy. So hopefully that's, that's been really helpful. Is that okay? So I'm just going to take us into, um, into land, and then we're going to have a ministry time. I've overrun slightly, but um, hopefully you'll be okay with that. We've got a few minutes left. So I guess the first thing we learned was that fear is, is quite normal. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, but it is. We all fear it. We all feel it. It's what you do with it that matters. Fear is normal, but you know what? So is faith. It's normal. It's part of the normal Christian walk to have faith. It's not reserved for the super Christians that are on the platform or preaching or whatever it might be or praying for the sick. Faith is for every single one of us. Every single one of us. If you're a Christian, then you are made to be full of faith.
not because of anything you've done, but because of who you serve and who you worship. God is on the throne. All will be well. He loves to see us stepping out in faith. It's a normal part of Christian life. Ordinary men and women doing extraordinary things in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I was saying earlier on, I had a, a dream probably a couple of months ago now. I don't often remember them, but I, I know when I do, it's, it's from God. And um, I saw a, a picture of me from a distance, from up in the air, and I was in the middle of the sea. And uh, there was an anchor rooted in the ground at the bottom. And I was holding on to the rope with dear life. I had white knuckles. My hands were all wrinkled and salty. I'd been there a long time. And I was in a storm. I was being buffeted around by the waves. The rain was, the waves were splashing in my face. And I was gripping onto this rope for dear life, trying to hold myself to this anchor. I was exhausted. I was tired. I was worn out. And then the picture changed in an instant. The storm was still there. The waves were still flowing. The wind was still whipping up. But I was in a boat. And the boat was attached to the anchor. And I was asleep on a cushion in the middle of the boat. And I want to say to you that God can give you peace. He can give you faith in a storm. I felt that was God speaking to me about my move to Salisbury. And although sometimes it feels stormy and it's hard, I can have peace and I can have faith in the middle of the storm. And I've, it's, it struck me so much. I mean, I'm a sailor, so I like nautical things. That's often how God speaks to me. But for me, I bought an anchor. It's quite a small one. I don't think it would hold anything still in the water. But this little metal anchor, I, I literally hold it when I'm praying. God is the anchor to my soul. This helps me to hold true. It's metal. I can grip it. I can trust in it. And I can look at it and think of God. He is the anchor to my soul. He's the anchor to your soul. He can keep you still in the storm. He can give you faith even in the storm. Sometimes Jesus calms the storm. Sometimes he calms the sailor. Don't wait for the storm to stop. Don't wait for something to change in your life to make you more faith-filled. Make a declaration. Make a statement to God this morning that you will be a man or a woman of faith, that you will trust in him. He's got great things for you. Each one of us has an exciting adventure with God in store. He's got great plans and purposes for you, plans to give you hope and a future. Don't wait for the storm to stop. Often I think we, we blame the storms of life in not doing that. But it doesn't matter what your situation, what your circumstances are. God can use you. God can give you supernatural gifts of faith. Would you open your heart to him this morning and ask him? Joe, you know, we're not meant to be able to do what God's called us to do without God. Did you know that? I have to remind myself of that because I so often default to my own strength, my own abilities. We're not meant to do what God's called us to do without God. God promises us everything we need in order to do what he's called us to do. Isn't that great? Isn't that just a, such a good encouragement from God? He will give us everything we need. Don't be one of those that says when the storm stops. And fear is normal. It's part of our normal growth. If you're not feeling fear, then you're not, you're not stepping out. Can I challenge you with that? If you're not feeling fear, if you're here and you're not fearful, I challenge you to take some bigger steps. What's God asking you to do? What's God asking you to do in faith? As I said before, fear focuses on something, but faith focuses on someone. We always have a choice to fix our eyes on Jesus, not on our fears. We all have a choice to be Peter in the water. The only time he sank is when he took his eyes off Jesus. Let's be a people who fix our eyes on Jesus. His are never off you. His eyes are never off you. He loves you. You are secure in him. It does not matter if you fail. It does not matter if you fail. Keep your eyes fixed on him. So that's all I've got for... This morning, I hope that was really helpful. What I want to do really is, is to pray for us. Um, and then we're going to have a time of ministry. So why don't you all stand up. Let's move the legs around. Some of you have been sat on the floor. I'm so sorry there weren't enough seats. 
Tony's going to come and uh, help me host in a minute. I've also asked a few people uh, who I know uh, if they have anything prophetic. So we'll have some a time of prophetic in a minute. But I just want to pray for us first, and then I'll lead us in how we might we might respond. Father God, I thank you for your presence here amongst us. I thank you that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. I thank you that it's not down to our own skills and abilities. We follow a God who is on the throne. We worship a Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father, who's come and died for us, died for our sins, so that we might have life and life to the full. And I pray for everyone here, Lord, right now, that you would come, that you would show them the fears that they have, Lord, that you would um, help them to see them, and that you would bring freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, would you break fear over these people, fear of comparison, fear of failure, fear of fear of man, fear of death, fear that they feel like their past is going to be ever dictated by their, their future is going to be ever dictated by their past, what's been done to them, what's been said to them, what they've done. Lord, you are the God of the future. You are the God of adventure and you have great adventures for us. Would you come right now and bring freedom in the name of Jesus? Yes, Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Jesus is here. This is a safe place to be vulnerable. It's a safe place to receive from Jesus. Just let him speak to you. You might want to speak your fear out loud. There's real power in doing that. doesn't matter how quietly you do it. You might want to speak your fear, your fears out loud to Jesus. You might want to visualize yourself laying them at the foot of the cross as you do that. Honey, you've got something to share. It's quite a specific word for someone here. Um, it's for a lady and you're a mother. And I feel this sense that you have this fear of flying and you have family um, possibly in America and you have this fear of flying and you want to go and see your family but this fear is stopping you, it's holding you back and if that's you this morning please I'd love to pray for you. I believe God is wanting to sever that fear this morning by his spirit and by his creative power. Thank you, Hannah. As I said earlier on, I have faith that, that God's going to bring freedom this morning from fear to some of you. So if God's been speaking to you about a, um, a fear and you want prayer for that, then I want to invite you to come forward to the front. And uh, I want you to know that your ability to be free does, isn't reliant on your faith. Your ability to be free from your fears is not reliant on your faith. There's stories in the Bible, I think it's John 5, the healing at the pool. The guy that got healed, who was crippled, didn't even know who Jesus was. So who, how can you have faith in someone you don't know? So if you have a fear that you want to be free from, even if you've got no faith, I want you to come forward to the front and come and be prayed for. We've got the ministry team here from, from West Point uh, who are going to come and serve you. I want you to come forward if you feel like God's put his finger on a fear this morning. I'm in faith that God's going to come and bring freedom. Come forward to the front. Don't wait. Um, just uh, a few things that God has just brought to my heart. Um, <coughs> may be something you want to respond to. Um, I think there's a mother here who's particularly and um, exceptionally fearful about her children um, when they're coming and going and just feeling need to be around them and with them, find it very difficult to release your children into school or into care or, or any other anybody else's hands and God wants to set you free. Um, I also felt there was a, a guy here who has been um, abused um, in his childhood and is, finds it almost impossible to get into any sort of long-term relationship at all because every time you get close to building a relationship, fear just grips you and you back right off and, and it's really, really hard for you. And, that, and that's not just relationship with people of the other opposite sex, but just relationships at work, relationships in the church, any sort of commitment because of the abuse, you just, that it just rises up that feeling that, that somebody's going to misuse you. God wants to set you free this 
this morning. And, and the, the other one, I just want to endorse something that Cara mentioned about fear of moving. Um, God has called some of you to move, and you're just like, we can't. We can't possibly, for a whole raft of reasons, God is here to bring release and freedom, and we believe it. So make yourself known. If you want to respond to any of those words, make yourself known to me, and I'll make sure that you get prayed for. Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. So the ministry team are here. They want to minister to you. They, they are here because they love to pray for people and see them set free, see them healed. So uh, you're blessing them as well. So do come down. Can you just move down a little bit more at the front here? That'd be great. So if the ministry team just want to start ministering, that would be good. If you're at the back, don't feel that you have to disengage or go. Uh, if you want to stay, then feel free to do that. The ministry team is just going to do some, do some business with God.